So a Sunday school teacher is talking to a group of 10-year-olds, and she says to them, if you had a million dollars, would you give it to the missionaries? And they all said, yes, of course. She said, if you had $1,000, would you give it to the missionaries? Yes, yes. If you had $100, would you give it to the missionaries? Yes, of course. If you had $1, would you give it to the missionaries? And they all said, yes, except for Johnny. The teacher looked over and Johnny had his hand on his pocket and she said, Johnny, why didn't you say yes to that last one? He goes, well, I actually do have a dollar. (laughs) Money is a reality in our lives. It's the currency with which we live and interact and survive in the world. And it's uh, essential to how we live. It has the potential, money does, to do a world of good, and it has the potential to be an obstacle from us living a life that is really good. And the truth is, we don't like to talk about money in church. Y'all don't like to hear about it. We don't like to talk about it. But money is the currency by which we live. What we do with what we have reveals a lot about what we believe about who God is and who we are. What we do with what we have reveals a lot about who we believe God is and who we believe we are. Money matters, and what we do with our money matters. So this weekend, we continue this series about generosity and why generosity is one of the spiritual pillars of, the pillars of spiritual growth. As a pillar of spiritual growth, it's important to understand that generosity is not about transaction. It's about transformation. And generosity is not about an obligation, but it's about an opportunity. What we do with what we have reveals a lot about what we believe, about who God is and who we are. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word to us today, that it would take hold of us and transform us. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture today comes from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way 
for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that he has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You may remember from earlier in the summer, we did a series on on Paul, the, the life and call of Paul. And this text is uh, part of Paul's invitation and encouragement to the churches, the people in the churches he started, the Gentile Christians, to collect an offering to send back to the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. You may remember the early church, one of the things that was a, a hallmark of the early church was that they, they sold what they had, they sold their possessions and came together with whatever they made off of that to provide for all for the common good, so that no one was in need. The early church, that was one of the marks of, of who they were, how they were different from the world around them. And, and Paul's encouraging them to understand that, that what they have is not just theirs, but it's theirs for the common good. So he encourages the Gentile Christians to collect this offering, to send back to the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem, understanding that it will meet some needs, some actual physical needs, but also that it's about building relationship. Because the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians did not agree about everything, but they agreed about Jesus. Jesus was the one thing that united them, even in their diversity, even in their, the things about which they disagreed. In common, they had Jesus, and that was their, that is what transcended all of their differences. And Paul says, I I want you to give generously for all so that their needs are met, but also so God is glorified in this relationship of all of us who profess Christ. Paul was calling them to consider the greater good and the the common good. You know, I suspect the Corinthians uh, hearing that from Paul, they weren't that much unlike us, that they would work hard to earn a living, to provide for their, themselves and their, their families, that sometimes, probably like many of us, uh, they worked just to make ends meet, you know, that there's months that, that that's just the way it is. And, uh, and so to hear this invitation to be generous in, in giving might have landed on them the same way it lands on us sometimes. Our, our culture that, that we live in sets us up uh, with this sense of uh, that what we have is what determines our worth, and that if we have money, that we're somehow more successful than if we don't have money, and if we have money, that we'll be happy, and if we don't have money, not only have we failed, but we won't be happy, and that having the latest and the greatest and the biggest and the best is what provides satisfaction for us and provides our, our standing in, in the culture and in the world, and you know, that's just nonsense, I know that when we're here gathered together as the body of Christ, well, yeah, yeah, of course, that's nonsense. And then we go out into the world and we hear ads for the iPhone 11, right? Even though our phone works fine. Zach was hearing the ads for the iPhone 11 and he said, Mom, you can get one for $700 off. 
<clears throat> Frank said last night, just think, you could get phones for iPhone 11s for your whole family, you could save $2,800, right? It's easy when we're together to understand that. It's harder when we're living day in, day out in the world. The sense of scarcity or the sense of having to have things to define us sets up a culture of, of competition and comparison rather than a, a sense of community and cooperation. And it and encourages us to think that we're on our own for our own, that nobody's going to take care of us, so we're not going to take care of anybody else. And all the things that promise us happiness really just provide obstacles to our contentment. And we become enslaved to our money, <clears throat> enslaved to the things that we have. And, and it turns out that our money ends up controlling us rather than us controlling it. I love this quote by Maya Angelou. I, I found that among its other benefits, giving liberates the soul of the giver. Rather than being enslaved by having to hold on to what we have, giving allows our souls to be free. Generosity is a pillar of spiritual growth because it invites us to trust that God is generous and to believe that as ones who are created in the image of God, we are also called to be generous as well. Sometimes our mindset is simply that we don't have anything else to give. We don't have any extra to give. But God calls us not to give out of what we don't have, but to give out of what we do have. On the middle of the screen, right after God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that, right? The sentence doesn't end with God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance. No, it continues. God provides for you so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. We're blessed to be a blessing. That's our story from the beginning of time. God says to Abraham, I'll bless you to be a blessing, right? God provides for us so that we might share generously. God provides for us, and it is God who supplies the seed to the sower. God supplies what it is that we can give out and bread for food. So God supplies what God wants us, invites us to give, and God still supplies what we need. Sometimes we think that giving away what we have diminishes what we have, and that's just not true. When we give away, what we have is not diminished, but made even greater. God supplies what we need. God supplies what we need and asks us also then to, to do with uh, what he's given us, what he intends for us. So to, so to sow seed means you have to let go of the seed. You have to actually plant the seed. You have to actually give it away. When we hold on to what we give, there's no way for that to have any growth or any benefit. God supplies what we need, your seed for sowing, and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You, you will be enriched in every way for your great generosity. When we respond to give generously, the result is not just that the need is met, right? For, for the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, 
but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. And through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God. One of my favorite quotes is from Irenaeus, who says that the glory of God is man, is human, fully alive. For us to live fully alive is God's glory. So when we are are free and, and willing to give of what God has given to us, then we live fully alive. We glorify God in our living. It invites us to shift from a mindset of scarcity to a mindset of abundance. To actually trust that God is a generous giver and provider for us so that we are empowered and encouraged to give. But we don't, we don't do that on our own. When we try to give on our own will, on our own power, we're not usually very cheerful givers. I mean, we start out that way, but, but then we become weary and frustrated and maybe even cynical about what the world is asking of us. When we are realized that we, that we give because of what we've been given and out of what we've been given, then we're free to give joyfully and generously. The Holy Spirit is what empowers us, is the one who empowers us and encourages us to give. The Holy Spirit reminds us who we are. The Holy Spirit gives us everything we need in order to give generously. God, the Holy Spirit gives us the presence of God, who is the giver, gives us the power of God, and gives us the position in God's kingdom, that we are God's beloved children. We're heirs of the kingdom. Everything that is God's is ours. We're beloved children of God, heirs of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit uh, works with our spirit, assures us that that is true. And so if that is true, if the Holy Spirit empowers us, encourages us, gives us everything we need in order to give, then then we have to hold that intention with actually what our giving habits are. A number of research groups have studied over the years the uh, giving patterns or the giving habits of Americans. They don't separate out necessarily uh, Christians from non-Christians. They're just talking about all Americans. And what they have found is that 3 to 8% of Americans, 3 to 8%, give away 10% or more of their income. 3 to 8% of Americans give away 10% or more of their income. 86% of Americans give away less than 2% of their income. That's, that's giving away anything to anyone. Less than 2% given away. There is a, a correlation. There's a great book called The Paradox of Generosity. There's a correlation between our giving and our well-being. It doesn't make sense but I think it has to do with giving and being set free because we're not bound by what we think is ours. Giving. So if we believe that God is generous, if we believe that God provides abundantly, if we believe that we are God's beloved children, heirs of God's kingdom, then, then where do our giving patterns actually fall? I want to show you a video about how your giving matters here, why your generosity matters here at Bethany.
wish we had time. Yeah, that's, that's all your work. Those things happen because you give, because God has provided for you, and so you sow that, you share generously. There's an insert in your bulletin, and what that represents is that there is no way we could do a full-length feature movie if we tried to capture everything that your generosity provides here at Bethany. These are other ministry areas that benefit, that wouldn't happen without your generosity. This week in the mail, some of you received your uh, printed narrative budget, and um, if you didn't, you'll likely receive it this week. This has pictures. This tells a story. This is where your money goes. You know, there are things that we have to have here, right? Electricity, uh, heat, and AC. We have staff that we provide for. We have staff families that are cared for because you provide for the staff. All of the program ministries, all of the things that we do happen because of your generosity. In that uh, same envelope, you got an estimate of giving card that we are going to invite you to turn in in two weeks when we have consecration weekend. I want to know that, remind you, in case you didn't know, that the estimate of giving card is how we set the budget for the church. We don't set the budget on hoping that you will give money. We set the budget on what you commit to give. So we have about 1,350 to 1,400 giving units who receive this estimate of giving card and are invited to turn it in with a commitment, and we set our budget on that. Our return rate for those last year was about 40%. So 540 or so of you turned in your estimate of giving card that you would give money this year to support the ministries of Bethany. So our goal would be that 100% of people who participate in the life of the church turn in an estimate of giving card. We understand that things change. We understand that you don't know what next year holds. None of us do right? But we can't plan without your commitment. And and so this is, I I did a little bit of simple math because math isn't my, uh, wasn't my major in college. And so if this is wrong, you can correct me later. But let's say the other 60% turned in an estimate of giving card committing to $20 a month. I think that's about $5 a week depending on what month it is, right? And less than a dollar a day, right? And I'm just going to say most of us spend $20 a month on lots of different things. But if 60, if the people who have not previously in previous years turned in SMW cards committed to $20 a month, then even that is an extra $200,000 that we can add to the budget. And if we have that in the budget, how big can we dream? What new ministries can we start? How can we better reach the people in our neighborhood? What is God inviting us to do that is bigger than what we can imagine? Listen, God provides abundantly what we need so that we can share, not for ourselves, but for the benefit of God's kingdom to glorify God. 
transforming the world, participating in the mission, participating with God, partnering with God out of what God has given to us. Y'all understand that all that we have is from God already. What we do with it matters. I know that money is complicated. I know talking about money is complicated. I know there's lots of, of different circumstances for each of us with regard to our money. And generosity, a life of generosity is not just about money. There are other ways that we are generous in our time and our sharing our talents and, and get being with one another, volunteering our, our time and our service. That's generous too. But volunteering time and service doesn't keep lights on. I know that money is complicated. I also know, I'm just going to be very frank with you, I know that some of you are wrestling with whether or not to make a commitment to give or whether to give because you're uncertain or unhappy about what's happening in the United Methodist Church right now. I get that. And I also understand that, that your decision to withhold a commitment or to withhold giving based on that is your right to do that. I understand that, that withholding your commitment or withholding your giving might be to make a point. But I, I hope that you will understand that the unintended consequences of making a point might actually be missing the point. And, and that when you withhold your commitment and your giving because you're afraid of what might happen, because you're uncertain about what ha might happen, because the church has done too much, because the church hasn't done enough, because you're worried or anxious, when you withhold that because you disagree with some other people in the church, you're not hurting just the people with whom you disagree you're hurting those with whom you agree. You're hurting yourself in the process. The Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians that, that Paul was trying to build relationship with, they did not agree about everything. What they did agree on was that Jesus was first and foremost, that Jesus was what united them, and that the work of the kingdom transcends our diversity and our disagreements. We can't do ministry in this place without your generosity. That is kind of the bottom line. So I just invite you as you're wrestling with that, as we're all wrestling with that, to understand the impact of of what you do, that, that money matters, and what we do with our money matters. I'm so grateful that God didn't withhold generous love for me when I was wrong. And I'm so grateful that Jesus didn't withhold the bread and the cup from any of the disciples, some of whom he already knew would betray him. God provides for us everything that we need in abundance so that we can share, can give. God calls us to be generous, not to get our way, 
but to get in God's way, to participate with God and building the kingdom of God. And it means starting right now, right here, with what we have. You know, most of us would gladly give a million dollars. If we had a million dollars in our pocket, most of us would gladly give it to the missionaries, right? Uh, most, and if you have a million dollars in your pocket, please see me after worship today. <laughs> most of us, if we had a thousand dollars, would gladly give it. Most of us, if we had an extra hundred dollars, we would give it. But what about what you actually do have in your pocket, even if it's just a dollar? God invites us to be generous. God empowers us to be generous. God's not going to not be generous with us, even if we choose otherwise. But the invitation is for us to participate with God as the body, one body of Christ to sow seeds of love and grace and mercy and hope into the world around us so that the kingdom of God becomes reality in our midst. Money matters. And what we do with our money matters. And what we do with our money reveals a lot about what we believe about who God is and who we are. So I wonder what you believe about who God is. Do you believe God is generous? And I wonder what you believe about who you are. Do you believe that God provides everything for you so that? Do you believe that you're a beloved child of God, that you're an heir of the kingdom, that everything that is God's is yours already? What we do with what we have reveals a lot. I pray that what we do as a body of Christ reveals to the world around us that we believe in a generous, abundant, loving God who invites us to be generous and abundant in loving one another. Let us pray. Lord, we pray for your help today. In this culture in which we become so tied up to our things and to our possessions, to our money, and allowing those things to define who we are and give us worth. Help us to be free from that. Help us to truly believe that it is being your beloved children that gives us our identity and our worth and that you call us to be generous because you have been generous with us. We're grateful that you did not withhold your generosity when you sent Jesus to be our Savior. We're grateful that you do not withhold your love even when we do. We're grateful for the power and presence of your Holy Spirit to remind us and to journey with us. Lord, help us see. Help us see your generosity and give us courage to live generous lives so that your kingdom might be made real in our midst and among us and beyond us. We pray fervently and boldly in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.